It's an honor to be with you today uh, as we start this new series. Let me begin with a question. Let me ask you how you might answer this question. What is the greatest discouragement or disappointment in your life right now? Think about it. What's the greatest discouragement or disappointment in your life recently? What would it be? How would you describe it to those closest to you, maybe your spouse or your children? What is that discouragement? That question is the question I asked our small group who've been together for like 25 years a couple months ago. I came and I simply said, let's talk about discouragements and disappointments. And you know what happened in that small group? It's amazing. I've been, I've been friends with these people for 25 years, and we shared some brand new things simply because I asked the question. Things we had never talked about before. Because we tend to be people that don't put our focus on discouragements and disappointments. Someone asked me this week, it was interesting, someone uh, said, hey Dave, why are we taking the beautiful month of October to focus on disappointments and discouragements? What a bummer! Somebody else said, well, winter's coming. <laughs> but the reason we're doing it is because discouragements and disappointments come in many sources and many forms. Sometimes, you and I are rocked by a major disappointment or discouragement that we can name in one instant, such as, and this, the, all of these have happened to our congregation, that uh, our company announces a downsizing or a move to Mexico, and all of a sudden, through no fault of my own, I have to find a new career, a new job. Um, the disappointment or discouragement, it fills our whole lives. It's 24-7. Or when a doctor shares, this also happens often, a prognosis, a diagnosis that will change your life forever. Discouragement. Or when your teenagers act out in a way that causes harm to their life, and it seems like as a parent there's almost nothing you can do, or your baby is born with a congenital health problem. It's going to affect them their whole life. Right? Those are the kinds of big discouragements that, like, we have to face. There's no choice. We name them and we face them. But there's this other kind of discouragement and disappointment. They're little bits and pieces that chip away at us. And we don't even fully notice them. They become compounded over time. Julie's actually going to talk about this. And we just feel like we are in the valley of discouragement. And we stop and we go, why am I feeling down? And we have to figure it out. It goes back five years and three years and one year, little pieces of discouragement. According to what we read these days and my own conversations with people, many of us have been feeling a bit discouraged. People say, I don't sleep as well as I used to. I'm eating poorly. I have less energy. Everything seems harder to get done. They may be, you may be, in the valley of discouragement. I was asked this week. As we focus on this, what can we learn? Or imagine the family dinner, where everyone needs to be careful what topics are raised, or it might go the wrong direction, right? And here's the thing. Some of us don't have to imagine, because uh, this is exactly where we are when we walked in here this morning. 
We're in the middle of the valley of discouragement. Um, and here's what I learned this week. The valley of discouragement doesn't just come on your down times. It can come in your very best times. So, for instance, we spent the last seven days in Colorado. Uh, for those of you who know the Estes Park area, we had as many sightings of moose as we did of elk. It's incredible. We saw moose six or seven times. Um, I had my car window open. I was eating lunch by a stream with my wife and son, and a moose just wandered right up within three feet. I could have touched him. It was amazing. Uh, the aspens were beautiful. Uh, the next slide, just beautiful. But here's the deal. Even on a vacation to my favorite place, there were discouragements. My wife cannot hike like we used to hike for hours and hours and hours. My wife and I, because of some health issues she has, can't really hike much at all. My son, Jer, has an, uh, cancer, colorectal cancer, and uh, he was with us. And uh, because of some health issues, some neuropathy in his feet, he has to be very careful how he hikes. So even in the midst of a really good time, right? And some of you understand this. Right in the midst of a good time, there are still disappointments. Now, this is a four-week series. And you know how an airplane, when they uh, do the talk at the beginning of the flight, and they say, if the cabin loses its oxygen, there will be a mask fall down. And um, when the oxygen is lost and, the, and it fails in the cabin, fix your own oxygen mask first before you try to help anyone. Well, um, in our series, we're doing the reverse. Today, I'm talking about how do you help with others who are walking through the valley of discouragement. And then the next three weeks are about putting on your oxygen mask and helping yourself through the valley. And uh, it's been my privilege, obviously, to walk with a lot of people through the valley of discouragement, our own family. And then lots of others have uh, asked me, Dave, you know what the, valley of, the, the deep and dark valley of discouragement looks like. You know what it's like. Would you walk with us? And it's been my honor to do that as a friend, a church leader, and since our family tragedy. But here's the thing. The scriptures are really clear about some things, uh, uh, and especially clear that as we've received encouragement and comfort from God, our lives need to overflow with comfort and encouragement to others. Here's one of the key verses, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's always a great place to start. Praise be to God, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Actually, the chapter says all comfort several times, that God is the God of all comfort. I love that new song we sang. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles... So that, why does he comfort us in all of our troubles? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. If we've received comfort from God, then we are, actually the next verse says, we're to overflow with that comfort on others. So the first point, I, I want to nail down in your mind today is this point. 
uh, we are poised to comfort others because we've received comfort from God. Have you noticed this? You have a job loss or you're walking through a divorce or there's a painful problem with a son or a daughter and soon people going through the same issue want to seek you out and they want to ask you how you're doing it, right? Have you had that experience? My brother Ron just had a uh, uh, knee replacement surgery and he said for the weeks coming up to it, he was looking for who he could ask for encouragement about the valley. Then he got the knee surgery and all of a sudden for some reason he becomes the expert. And people are asking him, hey, how did it go? What did you learn? Would you do it again? Right? All those things. This is, this is what the verse is saying. The verse is saying, um, when we receive comfort, when we've experienced things, when God's been with us, then we can overflow. In our family tragedy seven years ago where we lost Ben, Charlie, and Bailey, uh, we couldn't always feel the presence of God, right? We, we, I, I've, I've shared that many times. I couldn't always feel his presence. I knew he was there. But as we walked through that, sometimes almost unknowingly, God let our standing firm overflow on others. I remember, and I got permission to share this, I remember Jane Eilders following the death of her husband, Al. The first time I saw her was at the visitation and she's standing there greeting people, and I walk up to her. And she said to me this, if Aaron can get through this, my daughter-in-law who lost her three family members, then I can too. Do you see how that works? If God could comfort Aaron to walk through it, and she's still standing, Jane was saying, I think I can do it too. We've been through it. God was present. So all those things you weathered, whatever they are, I think it's clear that God is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I think he's saying you should be using it, not avoiding it, using it to bless and encourage others. Uh, Quentin Music, a previous worship leader, a good friend of ours, when Jerry was walking through his colorectal cancer, Quentin was a couple months, maybe six months, ahead of Jeremy. He was not even out of the valley of discouragement yet. And when he heard Jer had it, what did he do? He called Jer, my son. And he said, we should talk. He wasn't even out of the valley. But what was God doing? God was overflowing comfort. Even when he still had to receive some comfort. It was a huge discouragement, a tough journey. Now, comfort looks uh, different than what some of us think. This, I got a hit on this. I think that comforting, some of you think comforting looks like solving somebody's problem or making them feel completely better or even giving your best advice. And then you think, well, I might not be qualified to do any of those things. God will use your comfort you've received from him and your overflow to help others. Did you see, uh, many of you did, the four videos we used in the last series called Grit? Actually, that's what was happening with those videos. As Clint and Mary Beth and Stan were sharing about the loss of loved ones, about the uh, challenges they were facing, 
What were they doing? They were doing exactly what we're talking about here. Being an encouragement to a whole congregation out of their pain, out of their valley. And they were simply sharing how they were building a house on the rock of Jesus before the storm came, and then the storm came, and they lived through it. Here's the next verse I want to share. Carry, this is from Galatians. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Remember the law of Christ? Jeff taught this a couple weeks ago. To love God and love others. The law of Christ, love God, love others. Carry each other's burdens. And then in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, this is humility. They deceive themselves. They need to be humble. Each one should test his own actions humbly. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without no comparison. You don't compare discouragements for each one should carry their own load. Wait, we carry each other's burdens, but we each have to carry our own load. It brings us to the second point that I want to bring this morning. That is this, number two. We help with burdens, but not another's load. A burden is something that's crushing, that we can do something about, and we can relieve some of that. We can do our part. Lots of times it's with logistics, right? Uh, we, we, logistics become overwhelming in the midst of discouragement. Many of you did this with our family. We went through the deep valley of just you provided financial help, meals, mowing our lawns, helping with the funeral, all of those things. You helped. And it was so, we received it with so much gratitude. But there was a load you could not help with. Right? The pain, the loss, the grief, the memory, you couldn't help. And so we need to be careful because this, people uh, make the mistake of not letting people like, you have a load to carry, that's all yours. But there are burdens we can help with. And as we're helping people, we need to keep a little bit clear on that. When my dad lost his wife, my mom, of 65 plus years, the boys gathered around him and we did everything we could, right? We made the funeral happen, we encouraged him, we fixed supper and all that. And then after the funeral, and my brothers left town, he went home alone. That was his load. That's what he needed to do. And we couldn't do anything about it. So I can comfort others, I can help others, but I can't take their load. And we just need to be honest about that. Now, who can be there with them? Ha, ha, ha. That's why we're worshiping God this morning. Who went home with my dad when my brothers and I couldn't? The presence of God. That's who did. Um, one of the scriptures that uh, I've come to love a lot is the book of Job in the Old Testament scriptures. And um, if you remember the story of Job, life was going so well, and then he hit this huge valley of discouragement where he lost almost everything. He lost his children. He lost his grandchildren. He lost his herds, his flocks, his prop. He lost everything. But he had some friends to come and help with the burden. And then they came and sat quietly with him for seven days. 
And that really helped him. And then they opened their mouths. And chapter after chapter after chapter in the book of Job, they tried to explain to Job why he was going through this pain, why he found himself in the valley of discouragement. And after Job listened for a long time, I want to show you what he said. Job 16, then Job replied, I have heard many things like these. You are miserable comforters. <laughs> All of you, go away. Keep your mouth shut. You're miserable at this. There's a lesson here. Will your long-winded speeches never end? What ails you that you keep on arguing and explaining? Here's the third point, and you're not going to like it. No explanation decreases the pain and discouragement. Quit trying to explain it. It doesn't. Think about Job a minute. I think this is the, uh, the unwritten message of Job. Even if God had told Job why it happened, why he lost his whole family, why he lost all his possessions, you know what God's answer was? Well, Satan and I were talking up in heaven, and we kind of had this wager that you would be faithful. I can just see Job going, oh, that really helps. <laughs> There's not an explanation that decreases the pain or the discouragement. So we should stop trying to give them. No explanation decreases the pain. So stop trying to solve that part of the problem. So what do you say? When people say, why do you think? Help me, encourage me. I think you say something real humbly. I don't get it. You're in deep pain and discouragement. I'm sorry. This hurts. Kurt Vanderweel, one of our teachers, got up at the funeral of Ben, Charlie, and Bailey. And the first thing he said was this. He said it several times. I don't get it. I don't have an explanation for this. Valley of discouragement. Then he said, I guess I don't know how to do these things called funerals. He said, that's probably true. Right? So we cannot, uh, we cannot compare our discouragements with yours. Uh, every discouragement, every disappointment, every grief and loss is unique. Here's something else Job said. I want to show you this. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. Now, he's talking about this Lord he trusts in, God. I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? That's when Job was asking questions. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Job's telling God, surely I don't understand this. Things too wonderful for me to even know about. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. Now, here's the key part. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Here's what happened to Job as he went through the valley of discouragement. He got to know God 
in a new and deeper way, right? My ears had heard of you. I knew who you were. I had kind of known a little bit about you. I loved you and served you, but now my eyes have seen you in a new, deeper way. This is actually spiritual growth. Going through the valley of discouragement is actually a part of spiritual growth. And let me share the last thing. So we're poised to comfort others. And you're poised wherever you've been through the valley. We help with burdens, but not another's load. Uh, No explanation decreases the pain and discouragement. And then the fourth one, God promises his presence and his comfort. Again, I love that song. God is with us and God is for us. And you probably, there's a ton of verses in the Bible like this. My favorite one is Romans 8, 38 and 39. And it says this, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels, demons, present, future powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing separates us from the love of God. If someone asked me, Dave, you know the deep and dark valley of discouragement. What can you tell me that would help me as I walk through it? Here's what I would say. First of all, remember, we can't, we can't compare. Don't think mine was deeper and darker than yours. Whatever they are, they are. But when I was in the dark, deep valley of discouragement and loss, and all I could do was groan with pain, you know one thing that helped me? When I got my eyes off me and helped someone else, someone in my family, someone else in the community, that actually helped me. It helped me to get my eyes off me and help someone else. And the things I thought I could do, like I thought I would have some favorite verses that would help me. I mean, I've been a church leader for a long time. I didn't really have any. I thought I would be praying really well. I wasn't. I thought I would like to come in and worship. I didn't want to for a while. But God was with me, and he was for me, and he was giving good gifts on my worst day. And the last thing I would say, there is no timeline for getting out of the valley of discouragement. It may take you longer or shorter. I don't know, and I have no clue what the timeline is. I'm going to pray. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you are with us and you are for us and your scriptures say that over and over and over again and Job discovered that in his life and the disciples and the apostles discovered that in their lives and Father, some of us in this room have discovered that in our lives. On our worst day, you still give good gifts. On our most discouraging day, there's still bright spots. Father, you have shown us that even when we can't always feel your presence, even when we're looking for, help us look again. Help us look again. Father, we uh, praise you and we worship you and we thank you.
in Jesus' name, because he died for us. He died for our sins. He died for our future. He died for our eternities with you in heaven. In his name we pray, amen.